0: The Bone Bad Joe is intended for adults only and contains bad words and other yucky stuff that may make some people very angry. So watch out!
1: Comic books aren't for kids anymore. We've heard the refrain for years in mainstream media, but 30 seconds at the end of a newscast or two paragraphs in a magazine can't provide the -the behind-the-scenes information or entertainment like one episode of Word Balloon. Welcome to Word Balloon. The Comic Book Conversation Show. This is John Sutras. Word Balloon is a one-on-one interview program featuring pop culture conversations with storytellers. People who don't read today's comic books may think the medium is still being written for nine-year-olds, but as film, television, and video game producers can tell you, they couldn't be more wrong. These writers and artists are just as entertaining talking about their process as they are producing the stories they make. Listen to a sample episode and discover why Word Balloon leads the way in pop culture entertainment coverage. Check out an episode of Word Balloon for yourself. We're at iTunes under Word Balloon, W-O-R-D-B-A-L-L-O-O-N, or at our website, wordballoon.com.
2: Bone Bat.
3: Bone Bat. Bone Bat. It's time for the Bone Bat Podcast where you can listen to Steve Gord. It's a kick-ass digital broadcast where we've got dick jokes galore.
1: Bone Bat. This is Jeff Johnson. You're listening to The Bone Bat Show. <laughs>
3: What's up everybody? Welcome to episode 43 of the Bone Bat Show. This is Steve. And this is Gord. How you doing, man? Doing well. How about you? I'm doing well. I just got back from two full days of Emerald City Comic Con. Dang, that's a lot of con. You know, I, I gotta say, after going to San Diego last year, I mean, of course I missed you. It wasn't the same without you. But Emerald City is a great fucking con it's manageable you could you know you're not walking for seven days to get to wow. your next you know whatever it is you want to do i went into high quality panels i mean i went to will wheaton's panel because i figured well that went at a comic-con why not leonard nimoy's panel and you know what there was room i had a place to sit uh, there was, I wasn't turned away at the door or any of that bullshit like would happen in San Diego if you didn't get there a half hour before You get in line. I mean, it, it just a, a great, well-run con. As a matter of fact, it was so well-run that I was hard-pressed to find stuff that pisses people off. Wow. I
0: can always find something to piss me off. I
3: know. I'm interviewing all these comic book guys, uh, awesome folks, and, uh, you know, a lot of them weren't even pissed. It was amazing.
0: That is amazing. So did you do anything to piss them off? Like, you know. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I asked him for an interview. No, everybody was awesome. So we're going to have interviews this show uh, with Tim Seeley, uh, Mike Hampton from Hot Zombie Chicks, Richard Starkings from Elephant Men, who's a series that I had somehow completely missed, uh, also, Mike Avon-Oming from Powers. Fucking yeah. rad. Uh, Smash Comic, which is a cool uh, comic out of Seattle and Portland that I just discovered. Really great stuff. And Greg Rucka from Queen & Country, Stubtown 52. He's doing uh, Batwoman de- Detective Comics right now. Uh, fantastic novelist as well as a great comic book writer. So I've got a whole bunch of cool interviews lined up this show.
0: That This is going to be a great show. Dude, let me give you a little... Insight into my life right now. Well, you're up at this convention, this con, having a good time. Yes. Doing these these interviews and all. I'm down here being the suburban house dad. My wife comes back home driving the minivan from her trip to Costco, because you can't get much more suburban than that. And she proceeds to start telling me a story. Now, my wife is better than me in almost every single aspect. She's a kinder person, she's a smarter person, she's in better shape. She's got a better job, but when it comes to telling stories, it's not her forte. <laughs> so she goes, she, I mean, she leads in with, you know that house? No. <laughs> what? The, okay, you know, we're, we're already on off on the wrong foot. And, and she starts trying to tell me about this house. It's a yellow house. It's a few blocks away. They have a basketball hoop out front sometimes. Starts talking about, you know, remember they, they grow these kind of flowers? I, I finally just cave, and I'm like, oh, yeah, right. Okay, yeah, that house. It just... Because we got to move on. So then she, after all this talking about the house, she goes, so I was going to Costco, and this car comes and just blazing past me the other way. This little gray car just hauling, just right, like 90 miles an hour. And I thought, you know, God, thank God I didn't pull out in front of that thing. It, you know, that would have just, that would have killed me. And I'm coming back home from Costco. I'm still trying to figure out why we're even talking about the house in the first place. Oftentimes... She'll tell a story in several parts, but she won't put all the parts together. And the story will actually the stories will take place over like an entire day. So maybe later during dinner she'll go, and that yellow house, and I'll have to kind of know. Oh, we're talking about the house again. So I'd figured that'd happen. No. She says she's coming back from Costco, and she gets to this yellow house, and that little gray car that went zooming past her is now inside that house. Oh shit. (laughs) And it went, like, like, up on the lawn and, like, through the wall of the the front of the house, and it's in the house. And I look at her, and I go, you've been telling me this whole thing? Why didn't you just say there's a a car stuck in a house, like, two blocks from here? Let's go look. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah,
3: let's. See, it's like a comic book series. It's like a miniseries that you have to read it in installments, and you don't know what's going to happen.
0: There are all kinds of characters, and they they all wrap together <laughs> at the end. You know, the house, the car—it and... all comes together. Yeah, Fantastic. yeah. So we go we go to the house, and you know, sure enough, there's a, there's a gray Volvo inside the front of this house, and it, it must have been going really flat fast. Clipped the sign, hit the lawn. The incline of the lawn served as a ramp. You could tell just by the the way everything was was ripped and destroyed, and it it flew. It cleared like the bottom of the window went in through the window of the house and just eliminated this this front room. Uh, Not something I get to see every day. (laughs) No shit. And and so then I go back home, grab my camera, because I am the ultimate looky-loo, and my kid wants to come with me. And so we, we ride our bikes back over to look at what's going on. And at this point now, the police have got this drunk, apparently drunk, allegedly drunk, high school kid little little guy like smaller than me if you can imagine that. Mm-hmm. the guy's like five five maybe and they're giving him a, a field sobriety test they got his friend already cuffed in the back of the car and the, the kid is just failing to stand up properly he's failing this test allegedly and so they uh they cuff him and the cops are all being really pretty mellow about the whole thing considering this guy just destroyed a car and a house and uh after they get the cuffs on him, that's the point when this this guy decides he's going to be a tough guy. And he starts resisting arrest, giving the cops a hard time. I mean, the, there are like eight cops around this guy. Not one of them is less than a couple hundred pounds. They just basically put him on the ground and sit on him until he calms <laughs> down. He's just losing his shit. They finally get him to calm down. And I'm watching this whole thing with my kid, and the guy is just like, "You motherfucking cop!"
3: Oh, nice. Are you? Co- I hope you're covering up Junior's ears. No, he's he's just like all eyes watching this whole
0: thing. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, and for, for a moment there, I'm like, jeez, I hope he doesn't break free and this turns into some kind of crazy hostage situation or something, and I'm like, yeah, no, that guy weighs 100 pounds, and he's got about 1,000 <laughs> pounds of cop beef holding him down. He's he's not going anywhere. So uh, he finally finally gets up, calms down, the cops walk him about five paces of the car, and he loses his shit again. <laughs> like, you fuckers, you're talking shit about me, I'm gonna fuck again. <laughs>
3: just... Down he goes! Ah, uh, the greater Northern Californian tweaker in his natural habitat.
0: <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> so we watch the whole drama play out. They finally, like, rap. They go, get the rap! And the rap is like this big industrial streak. It reminds me of the kind of thing they move horses about with in a veterinarian office. Uh-huh. It's like a big sling, and they wrap they him in the sling, and so he's mummified. And <laughs> they just kind of pick him up like a large purse and sling him into the back of the car let me tell you that afforded several discussions learning opportunities for my son
3: <laughs> yeah i would think so so when you were walking... drinking
0: and driving driving in general why you shouldn't resist arrest i'm like oh watch it's gonna go bad for him if he keeps yep
3: <laughs> what a motherfucker is
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My kid refused to acknowledge the whole stream of profanity. It was Good like he boy. was embarrassed that he knew the words or something, and didn't want me to know that he knew. Or so. I don't know. <laughs> oh
3: shit! Wow. Yeah,
0: so that's you know you're in the big so- Seattle city, and you're you're interviewing guys that draw silly pictures. I'm so down here in suburbia, and we got people driving through
3: houses. So we're like humming "Bad Boys, Bad Boys." What you gonna <laughs> do when you were walking home? I shoulda. It was like cops in Davis. That's awesome. Yeah. So speaking of music, our uh, band this week that we're featuring is an old friend from way back in Episode 3, San Kazagascar from Sacramento.
0: Man, that is an old friend.
3: Ep3. Ep uh, I think at the time uh, we were uh, featuring their first album, uh, Greetings from San Kazagascar. Greetings and, uh, from beautiful, beautiful San, San Kazagascar. Kazagascar. And now they've got a new album, which actually has been out since the fall, and I was kind of remiss and didn't notice, but uh, Idle Ships. Yep. Came out in oh nine. So uh the song that we opened the show with is called Woolly Mammoth in the Room. And uh take a listen as we go through the show. We'll feature a couple more cuts uh, later on. San Casagascar, one of the coolest bands to come out of Davis. One of many. It's a hub of cool bands down here. It is. So Emerald City Comic Con. Just a little recap before we go into our first block of interviews. Uh so day one, like I said, I went in uh Saw Will Wheaton's panel at the show, which was uh, pretty entertaining. I hadn't heard him speak before, and uh, he was pretty damn funny. Uh, he kind of told a story about as a kid uh, going and buying Star Wars action figures. That was a lot of fun, and a That's uh, cool. a reminiscence of uh, what an early Star Trek episode. And it was just it was really entertaining. I he was he was more entertaining than I thought he'd be, and Leonard Nimoy was maybe a little less entertaining than I thought he'd be. Uh, he, he had a few interesting stories, but he was kind of talking a lot about his photography and his art and stuff like that. And it, it was a, a very serious, sort of, not not a very amusing thing. So following Will Wheaton, uh, I don't know. I, I just, I, I enjoyed it and it was neat to see him and hear him, but I wasn't quite as impressed as I was with Wheaton's bit. It was, it was pretty good. Uh, and then I attended a couple of cool uh, panels, uh, Images, a uh, forthcoming panel uh, with Tim Seeley, who uh, we interviewed for the show uh, later on. And uh, also the Oni uh, Press. Now, are you familiar with them? Oni Press out of Portland?
0: I am not familiar with Oni Press. They
3: do Queen and Country. They do a lot of pretty cool stuff. And uh, the two things that they were kind of talking about was uh, Greg Rucka's new series, Stumptown, which is kind of a mystery series, and a series from uh, Joe Harris and Steve Ralston, who did the art on the first Queen and Country feature, Broken Ground, which is called Ghost Project. And it's like this... uh, Russian Cold War ghost story. It's kind of like a cross between a Tom Clancy-ish sort of thing. There's like some guys that are there looking for uh, chemical weapons, and they stumble across this, this place that's haunted. And it really cool, kind of creepy visuals. Uh, Ralston's kind of known for a, a more cartoony style than a realist style, which is something I guess that they talked about in the panel a little bit, that he caught grief for in the early... Uh, Queen and Country stuff, because that's a British spy series that's very kind of, you know, snatched from today's headlines, and yeah. so a lot of people didn't like that cartoony style. But, you know, for me, I've always felt that, I don't know if it's like kind of like that situation where, you know, the first uh, album you hear by a band is oftentimes your favorite, that maybe yeah, right. because because he did the first version of Queen and Country, so to me, that's what they're supposed to look like, and so I've actually preferred the cartoonier stuff, I think, than the more realist that came later but uh, he, he's got a, a great style of art I really enjoy it and I did pick up the first version of Ghost Project and it's really a cool comic so I, I would definitely say check it out another cool thing I stumbled across is talking about Stumptown and I'll let Greg talk about that a little more in the interview but uh, it's about this uh, detective named Dex Perios if you want to know about her investigation services call 503-389-2135 that's her answering machine It's pretty damn cool Wow. All right. So uh, let's uh, get into our first block interviews. Uh, You can hear Tim Seeley. Oh, yeah. Who does Hack Slash. You may remember him from back in episode 27 when we met him at Crypticon. Uh, Mike Hampton, who did the zombie art for our Halloween episode this year. And Richard Starkings. I was not familiar with his comic, Elephant Man, but I was super impressed with what I saw. So let's take a listen to that. All right, this is Stephen The Bone Bat Show, and I'm here with Tim Seely, who you may remember from episode 27 of The Bone Bat Show. You were the first guy that we've ever interviewed twice, man.
4: Really? That's pretty fantastic. And I like how there was like a reference point, like in a comic book, where it's like, see, issue, whatever, editor's note. Like, well done.
3: You like very, how I yeah, did that? Yeah, nice. it was pretty yeah. slick, huh? The little callback there.
4: Yeah, I like, I like a callback when I can get one. <laughs> so
3: there's a lot of cool stuff going on. I just attended the, your panel. The uh, first time you've ever been, I guess, on an image panel.
4: It was, actually. And I've worked with those. I mean, I actually thought about it. I was like, my first comic I ever put out actually so technically came out through Image. My love Bunny and Mr. Hell in like 2002 came out to Image Comics. But this, you know, was a bigger deal, obviously, for me. And it was the first time I'd been nervous at a panel. And I've done all kinds of panels. And I don't know why. But it was something about like, you know, going to this Image panel and then knowing that I had to announce like a big thing for me. <laughs> I guess there's that fear like you'll announce this big thing and no one will care. You know, you'll be like, oh, my God, we're, Hack Slash is coming to Image. And then it'll just be like, well, oh, who gives a shit? Like, <laughs> and that's a
3: huge announcement, man. You're, yeah, you're bringing over the, the whole series.
4: Yeah, from Devil's Due. And then we'll be starting uh, with a new image or issue number one of Image, but it's going to be like a mini series called My First Maniac, which uh, is basically sort of an origin of Cassie specifically, a story that we've never told, which is like her first post-Lunch Lady slasher, and she doesn't have Vlad yet, so she hasn't met Vlad, she's by herself, um, and her it's kind of like our Batman year one, but it's going to be with schoolgirl uniforms and baseball bats rather than Bat-Bats. So it'll be like a really cool way to sort of, you know, start the series for new, new readers, but it's a story that if you've been reading, you've never read. It's kind of very formative for her, and it'll be like, you know, the, sort of the origin of a lot of things in the book that, you know, like her figuring out that there's such thing as these slashers, like, so she's putting together a lot of stuff that we've always just assumed in the series itself. so
3: Right. And her relationship with Vlad's been a little bit rocky lately. He's got some jealousy issues sure. and things of that nature. So going forward, I mean, you're going to be doing also Into the Future as well, right?
4: Yeah. Um, so what we'll do is we'll end the, the Devil's Do series at 34. That wraps up with kind of a, a cliffhanger um, that'll... It's funny, you said Into the Future. We're going to do a little storyline that sort of basically jumps our characters in the future at the end of 34. Uh, you'll see what is... So kind of like Jason in space, you're going to go... Um, not exactly. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it'll actually be sort of a 14 years in the future, you see the world that Hackslash is moving towards. Okay. And that's where those last two issues will take place. And then it sets up our new status quo for the new Image Ongoing series, right. which will you know return us to sort of, you know, kind of freak of the week, kind of fun stuff with our overarching storyline. But it allows us to, like, add some really crazy elements... Because obviously there's been sort of an overarching plot for the series for a long time, and this is kind of the next logical progression. It's sort of like our season three opener, against, ah, okay, I guess, uh, when we start an image. So, so yeah, it actually worked out really nice. And I, I do recognize that the book has a lot of. It's got a lot of continuity, which is weird because you wouldn't think it would uh, being kind of a you know, sort of exploitational slasher series. But it does have a lot of sort of history and continuity. So when we start an image, our first series will be really free of that, which will be nice. Mm-hmm. And you can come into it and read it very clearly and get the characters and then when we start up again you know, you'll know, you be in the world you'll be able to join with everybody else that's right for a while so hopefully we appeal to everybody that we can you know
3: very cool and so coming to uh, Image as a creator does that open some new doors for you there as well? Um,
4: yeah I mean I think the, probably the coolest thing about it is it, it opens up more readers. Uh, you know, because Image is like a bigger publisher, they're, front, they're kind of considered like a front of the catalog, the previous monthly catalog. Um, there are stores that don't order anything from beyond the front of the catalog. So potentially this opens it up for stores who have never carried Hackslash to carry it. It uh, should be easier for, for people who want to try it out to pick it up. You know, I think, like, just make it easier to, to, for people to pick it up. You know, Image has got, obviously, like, a really good history with retailers and some really great hits. Some recent stuff that's really popular, like Chew and Image United. So, yeah, I think we'll be able to take advantage of that sort of stuff. And just, I mean, my, my goal has always been reach more people. Like, mm-hmm. convince people that a slasher comic is a good idea. Like, you know, <laughs> the kind of stuff, because, it, you know, it is such a tights and, and capes market and I know there's people who want to read I mean I love super too but they want to read other stuff and you know here's their chance right you know?
3: so speaking of other stuff I just uh, checked out uh, Colton Noble that is a lot of fun oh, man. Thanks, man
4: yeah again it's another book that I know would be a hard sell it's an, an image book also but I knew it was, you know it's kind of a top sell it's a comedy you know it's sort of a teen sex comedy actually but yeah, I'm glad a lot of people actually did. Check but crossed in. with He-Man, right? exactly. Essentially, Masters yeah. Universe. The idea was sort of an idea I've had for a long time, and I always wanted to do it. And it was actually an idea I kind of had for uh, like Captain Marvel, Shazam, which is you're a teenager and you can turn into an adult do you use it to save the world or do you just it to chase chicks, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, Cole Noble sort of answers that question. It's kind of a comedy. But it also sort of it's also sort of a, a weird um, analogy for getting older because as the series progresses, my idea was to do, you know, when you're a kid, you want to be an adult. So, you know, like a guy like Billy Batson or Prince Adam had that opportunity. Right. When you get to be an adult, you get to be a little older, you wish you were younger. And, you know, what happens if you're, you have that ability for the rest of your life and, you know, ways to your childhood in an adult's body and then when you get to be an adult you want to go back and be young again. A lot of possible questions and cool things you can do also while having like half-naked girls and silliness and you know. Right,
3: yeah. Just some of the lines you had. I mean,
4: where I was just cracking up you know, reading through it. I think, you know, because you don't often, you don't a lot of times get to see fantasy stuff not take itself super seriously because I I don't know if it's just sort of a defense of their own genre. You can do sort of post-modern superhero stuff but people people are for it, but you know, you start throwing sort of like postmodern jokes into fantasy and I think people are like, What? Uh but this allowed us to sort of have our cake and eat it too, you know, just do everything, uh, you know, make it really I hope it's a series that people like I wanted to make it, you know, a web strip for people to check out because I know people hate checking out a comedy book and find out it's not funny.
3: Right, absolutely. You know?
4: Um and you know, I mean go to the theater and Ninety percent of comedies aren't funny, right? Right.
3: So you know. Well, I got to say, I didn't expect it to be as funny as it was because oh, I was consistently cracking up as I was reading it. So oh,
4: thanks. I mean, I think you know one thing with the book too is that the overall plot is is there, but also the, the individual characters are their themselves characters. You know, the the arch fiend who's like this sort of demonic villain. He's just a big asshole and self full of himself. And he's really kind of funny because he's so arrogant, treats everybody like his slave or or like his bumbling servant or whatever. So he, you know, you kind of get some cool, like, character interplay. And I hope, you know, I hope more people enjoy it because it was a blast for me to do. And I want to do more of that sort of stuff, you know. There's a lot of Cape stuff, and I know people love Green Lantern and all that stuff, and I love it too. But I hope people check out other stuff. Absolutely,
3: Yeah. So what else you got going on right now?
4: Uh, right now I'm drawing Wildcats. Speaking of capes and cows and stuff, <laughs> I'm drawing Wildcats for uh, for Wildstorm, which is a blast. It's like now it's the sort of huge crossover, crazy battle every issue uh, series. And then uh, I, d- I just did a fill-in for Marvel on um, Inhumans: Realm of Kings. And uh, then I'll have Hackslash and Image. And you're doing Inhumans. I just did one issue. Did yeah. you
3: get to do Black Bolt?
4: Uh, I just only got drawn, draw him in... He get, basically, if, you, if you've read any of the stuff, Black Bolt died at the end of... Right. He gave himself up. Uh, so I get to draw sort of a cameo, but I don't get to draw him. <laughs> but I get to draw Medusa and, best of all, Lockjaw. Oh, uh, cool. Who is one of the best characters Kirby ever designed. Yeah. After, uh, uh, after uh, Devil Dinosaur and Moonboy, of course. Of course, yeah. I
3: always have been... A, just loved how Black Bolt looked from when oh, I was a little kid. What a great design. character
4: design. Yeah, it's yeah. an amazing design. I mean, it's I think that, right. you know... And then humans are so inherently weird. It's it's no, when you yeah. draw them, it's oh, it's like an artist's dream, oh, really? you know. Right, it's it's there, there are hardly any characters that look cooler. I mean, I think they've never had, like, the success of so many mainstream Marvel guys, but nobody looks quite as cool as the Inhumans, you know? Yeah. Or as wonky, maybe, is the, you know, so... Oh, I had so much fun drawing those. So. Did you
3: get to bust out your Kirby crackle a little
4: bit? Oh, you better believe I did. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. All right. So,
3: uh, any news? I know you just kind of answered this on the in the panel, but uh, any news on the hack slash movie?
4: Um, you know, I, I keep thinking they're going to quit and just, like, let us reset all the rights or ask you know whatever they don't want to do it but they still want to do it and
5: yeah i mean i guess it's
4: i don't i don't have any like specifics on dates and i guess i should never have ever said i had any idea on dates because really even if they said it i still had no idea let's be honest you know right yeah but i think uh in the in the near future they should be saying something you know, it's just that weird politics of Hollywood where studios get bought and sold and companies, you know, uh, were suddenly, you know, used to do this, and now they're told, oh, you guys only do these kind of movies. And it's just crazy, but... Did you have any sort of, like, you know, approval or creative control or anything like that in the process? I had a lot more when uh, the there was a previous director on it. It was owned by a different studio. You know, they used to ask me, and now it's basically like... Um, you know, we paid you and thank you for your so, contribution, yeah, like and <laughs> and that's fine. and that's their problem, right? Sure. So, uh, but I mean, I still think they have they have good people on it. I think uh, it's not. It's going to be a cool movie when they do it. It's just sort of, and you know, a lot of young actresses really want to do the the role. And I, if I read an interview like with cat Dennings or Bria Grant, where they're like, "Hey, we really want to play Cassie," I know people are talking about it. You know, I don't I don't know those girls, so <laughs> I didn't tell them to say that. So, yeah, I think it's it's got a really good possibility of being something within the next year or two, let's say. Well, they're kind of cool. All right.
3: Well, we definitely will keep our eyes out. All right. But, yeah, so, I'll
4: keep doing the comics. So,
3: <laughs> so uh, aside from that, anything else that's pissing you off right now?
4: Oh, man. Actually, uh, no, man. I'm, I'm just real happy. It's, I have nothing to be pissed off about. I guess being this close to Mike Norton for all these days is probably... <laughs> <laughs> probably more than most people can handle but but yeah other than that I'm feeling good feeling
3: yeah. good very cool well thank you very much for your thank time Tim you, I really appreciate it as always
4: and I love your radio voice oh
3: thank you very much. <laughs> This is Steve from The Bone Bat Show, and I'm hanging at Emerald City Comic Con with Mike Hampton, who Gordon and I ran into last year at San Diego. He did the awesome zombie versions of Gordon and I for our episode 34, The Halloween Show. How are you doing,
6: Mike? I'm doing very well. Thank you for coming by my booth and saying hi. Uh, Absolutely. Now,
3: I just wanted to find out, that old Bone Bat standby, what pisses you off,
6: man? Well, you know, since we're at the Comic Con, I will have to say, what pisses me off at the Comic Con is uh, when these guys do these prints and they sell them for $20, and we know goddamn well it doesn't cost anything close to $20 to get them printed. I sell my print, which is the same size, probably better paper for $3. There's no way in hell a print costs anywhere close to $20. So what pisses me off is when they charge that much to the people when, when you know, the market is crazy. Come on, I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan of art, so I would not want to pay $20, and I won't pay $20. I would pay five dollars, but I only charge three dollars. So that pisses me off. <laughs> oh, and, and the shirts. Shirts do not should not cost twenty-two dollars for a, a shirt. That's just this isn't the guest outlet
3: here for a uh, green lantern shirt or whatever
6: it's it's a yeah it's more like a greed lantern shirt i (laughs) I do know what you mean
3: all right man where can we find your stuff
6: uh right now you can go to uh, www.thereisnohalo.com that's where you can go and order all my fabulous products
3: very cool including nice prints for three dollars
6: uh the prints (laughs) actually those are at the show but my 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 wonderful comic books are there. You can buy, you can buy those there. They're very, very fairly pl- Hot zombie chicks? Hot zombie chicks, yes. We like the hot zombie chicks, man. Thank you. They, they love everyone, and <laughs> they're waiting for you to go there and buy them. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks a
3: lot, man. I appreciate your time.
6: Cool. Good to see you guys. Thanks.
3: All right. This is Steve from the Bone Bat Show, and I'm here at Emerald City Comic Con, and I was walking around this morning... And I walked by this booth for a, a comic called Elephant Men, and it's freaking cool. There's a huge picture of a, a just a kick-ass hippo, and I had to stop and talk to you a little bit.
5: Okay. What's your name, sir? Richard Starkings. And you are the creator? I'm the creator of Elephant Men. I'm the writer and creator, yes.
3: Fantastic. So tell me about this comic.
5: Well, there it's a science fiction comic. It's sort of dark, dystopian future. It's been described as... Blade Runner meets Taxi Driver, but it's a little bit Planet of the Apes, it's a little bit Terminator, it's a little bit Frankenstein. Um, and basically, they're human-animal hybrids, they've been uh, raised to fight a war between Africa and China. Some of the comic deals with that war, most of it deals with them living as uh, military veterans, effectively, throughout the world. And the story focuses on a, on a, a fairly small group of elephant men based in Los Angeles area.
3: Very cool. Now, you've got like a dozen books here. I, I don't know how this has sneaked by me. What's well, the genesis of the series?
5: Well, I did. I self published a series which is not concluded yet, which is the Hip Flask series. That came out in 2002, 2003, 2005. Mm-hmm. We have two collections. One is Unnatural Selection, the other is Concrete Jungle. But the artist working on that, Ladrone, is very slow. So uh, Image approached me to do a series. So the Elephant Man series is set two years before the Hip Flask storyline. Okay. And uh, we're bringing our third collection out in April. So, and we also have the War Toys miniseries. So there is actually, there'll be four Elephant Man trade paperbacks and there are two Hip Flask hardcovers. To get
3: you up to speed.
5: Yes, exactly.
3: Very cool, all right, Richard. Well, one thing we always ask on the Bone Bat
5: Show is, what pisses you off? Good Lord, what pisses me off? Uh, I try not to be pissed off. I try to focus on the good things in life. I wish I
3: could go through life like that, sir. (laughs) Well, I'm a
5: Buddhist, so... Ah, well, there you go. Buddhism is humanism, and and, uh, the the philosophy of Buddhism is that you always take each day as it comes and deal with whatever consequences of whatever actions, which are all belong to you. Everything that happens to you belongs to you, once you take responsibility... For what happens to you, and you don't get pissed off, then you don't make the same causes that create the same effects, and you break the cycle of your karma.
3: Good point. And you, yet, yeah, you reconcile this with super violent giant animals.
5: Yeah, but you know <laughs> that's, that's the world we live in. You know, I mean, and the, the the elephant men are actually in the search for their own humanity because Very they cool. are human animal hybrids, and that's really the story of the elephant men. Very cool.
3: Well, I got to say, check out the elephant men. This is a great looking comic.
5: Monthly from Image Comics. Very
3: cool. Thank you very much for your time, sir.
5: Thank you.
7: This is Greg Rucker. You're listening to the Bone Bat Show. So pay attention.
3: All right. And that was Concrete Dune by San Kazagascar. Yeah, that's
0: their, uh, that's their latest single. And they have a video of that. You can actually witness their video splendor. Uh, go to YouTube. YouTube.com, of course, uh, then slash Paul Takushi. P-A-U-L-T-A-K-U-S-H-I you can find a concrete dune video there on youtube uh san casagasco <laughs> what what can i say man san is telling me to go to youtube that's a channel for it give me shit <laughs> speed
3: i haven't seen a uh, url that long since we had the nickel slots on the show <laughs> every fucking band you bring has some preposterous url that we have to read on the show what the fuck come on it's just youtube go to paul truci <laughs> on youtube <laughs>
0: Not like the Nickel Slots music for you, happy, happy, (laughs) (laughs) com, followed by CGFE, and like, actually, every chord progression in every song, .com. What was I saying? San Kazakaskar, a local Davis band, not a local Davis band if you're not from Davis, featuring Jed Brewer on vocals and guitar, Greg Hain on bass and vocals, Paul Takushi, the aforementioned Takushi. On drums and vocals. And Mike Wu on vocals and clarinet. That's right, clarinet. They've got two discs out. They've got Greetings from Beautiful Sand Cas, that came out in 07, the year the band was founded. And then their second release is Idle Ships, which came out last fall, 2009. Sandcaz is mostly a local act. Um, I'm not going to try to describe their music because you're listening to it. Uh, it kind of sounds it's like not... Middle Eastern
3: R.E.M. to me. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. That's what I've always pictured them in my mind.
0: Yeah, they're, they're trying to conjure a, a fictional land and the music of that land. And uh, it has a definite eastern vibe to it. Uh, you can see these guys touring uh, locally. March 27th at Vegas in Sacramento. And April 17th at the Delta of Venus. They make occasional forays into the Pacific Northwest. So if you're lucky, you can catch them in Portland or Seattle. Now, where is San Kazagascar, anyway? Where is San Kazagascar? It's in your mind, man. <laughs> in your fucking mind. I asked Paul what pisses him off, and what pisses him off is it's Steve. It's you. <laughs> People like you asking, where is San Kazagascar? Is it even a real place? He said, that's what pisses him off. He says, I feel like asking them, Is that uh, what's that thing on your shoulders? Is that a real head? Is there a real brain in there? Steve? The other thing that pisses them off is when people ask how to describe the music, which I have pointedly not done. So don't ask them how to describe the music. Listen to the music and and figure it out for yourself. If you insist on asking them what their music sounds like, they're just going to tell you it's the best music in the world played by the musicians in San Casagasca. You can find their music on Lather Records. That's Lather Records, two R's in there.com. Or download them at emusic.com.
3: We'll have a link on the page as well. So. Indeed.
0: That's it. San Casagasca. Go.
3: <laughs> well, that's what pisses him off. But you know what pisses me off? What pisses you off? Okay, I've got a, I've got a, a number <clears throat> of Comic-Con related things. Okay, first of all, I have. we went to San Diego Comic-Con, right?
0: Yeah. I just in it.
3: Was, wanted to go to the Blackest Night panel was completely Mm -hmm. unable to do this. I'm sitting down in the panel waiting for Jeff Johns and everybody to come in and sit down and start talking about the big Green Lantern feature of the year. When I get a call on my cell phone, that I have to go do an interview? So I leave, miss it. Then there's going to be a Brightest Day panel at Emerald City Comic Con. So, all right, well, I'll go see that. No, had to do another interview. So (laughs) I've, for some reason... The comic book gods keep conspiring against me to keep me from any sort of fucking Green Lantern panel. I don't know what the deal is, but I'm just cursed that way. You are. Second of all, what pisses me off is all these shows now are coming out with like these limited edition comics for that show that cost 10 bucks. Well, and that's easy. You just don't buy it. It is, but I kind of want to read them. I want to support the, 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 you know, artists and stuff like that. But I, I was thinking, you know what? I can go to my home comic store and buy that for 4 bucks. So why should mm-hmm. I? And like my son, we come up to the Boom Kids or whoever that does the, the Disney comics and the Toy Story comics and stuff like that. And so they had a pile of comics sitting on their table with no price on them. So I'm thinking, okay, those are freebies, right? No, yeah. 10 bucks. Oh, jeez. Yeah. You know, it's for little kids. My kid took like his allowance, saved up twenty bucks or whatever. He's gonna blow half of it or blow his entire wad on two two comics or something. No, doesn't make a lick of sense when you have bins of comics underneath these uh, dealer tables for like you know anything you want twenty five cents each. Yeah. So I'm steering the kid away from that because what the fuck does he need the collectible for
0: anyway? It'll it, be gone in a week
2: anyway. Right.
3: And, and the final thing, daylight savings time has never fucked me up before. I've always been really good about setting my clock. And this year I knew theoretically when daylight savings time was, you know. Yeah. But, okay, so Friday night we go to the Super Sucker show. We have a few beers. I don't get in bed until like 1.30. Then the next day I'm getting up at 7 to get squared away to go to Comic-Con. So by <laughs> Sunday morning I was just not thinking right. I was operating on too little of sleep. And although I knew theoretically that it was daylight savings time, I didn't actually do anything about it, like changing my clock <laughs> or wow. anything like that. And so uh, I decided on, on Sunday I was going to take my son to experience his first Comic-Con, you know, get a little taste of the magic there. And mm-hmm. uh, so we, we go make a point of getting up early, get dressed, get breakfast in the kid. We stop at Target to get an art pad so that if, you know, we bump into anybody to draw a sketch for him, then he's got paper to do that with. Uh, so we get to Comic-Con, get parked, walk in. We should be about 10 minutes early, and it's already all open. Huh, That's, well, that's I'm weird. thinking that's kind of weird. No, I guess it's not, you know, they open the doors early. That's not a big deal. So I go in and start walking around, and we're, we're doing our thing. And I, I know that I've got my interview with Greg Rucka at noon. And so we're kind of killing time. We're doing this and that. We walk around. We get some cool sketches for Thad. Mike Avon Oming did an awesome Thor for him. Tim Seeley did a great lockjaw from the Inhumans. I, that was kind of the one that I think Thad liked the best. Uh, he also got a Great Hulk by Tim Sale that was fucking cool. And then right uh, Richard Starkings, the guy we were just talking to, did uh, Hip Flask, the, the hippo from uh, Elephant Men. So, you know, we got a bunch of great things and took pictures with, with Thad, with every Star Wars character there is. He bought a bunch of 25-cent comics and bought a Halo toy and a couple other things. So we had a really good time. So finally, it's time for me to go to the Rucka interview. And so I, I get there a few minutes early, and I'm like, hi, uh, Mr. Rucka, uh, I'm Steve from Bonebad Show, and I'm here a couple of minutes early for our 12 o'clock. He's like, oh, okay, we just wait a minute, and we'll take care of it. So, uh, you know, uh, he finishes signing his line. We sit down. We're doing the interview. And he, he makes a comment. You know something about daylight savings time. Oh, boy. Wow. And it, it never dawns on me <laughs> until I finish with the interview. I'm walking out to get Thad a sandwich that, oh, fuck. I was an hour <laughs> late for the interview with Greg Rucka. <laughs> Way to make a good impression. Dude. I'm such a dildo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God.
0: You know, we, we got an image it, to a it, hole Like, here. like,
3: yeah, he says something about it, and so I, I, and you know, in the rush, I'd forgotten to get because I, I had brought a couple of books I'd wanted him to sign, and so I went back later and stood in the line after he came back from lunch and and got the book signed. and Apologized to him then. I, I felt really bad, and I, that said, wasn't the that was the zumo. only mistake. Uh, Mike Avon Oming, I called him aiming when we sat down to do the interview. <laughs> Which you will hear in a few minutes. But anyway, so yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a screw-up. What are you going to do?
0: We'll just keep
3: loving you, Steve. So the final thing that pisses me off is me. Yeah,
0: really <laughs> pisses me off, too. You know what pisses me off? What's that? Okay, earlier in the show, I told what I feel is a fairly amusing story, not the kind of story I get to tell every day that involves allegedly drunken people, allegedly flying cars through houses. Well, sure, Yeah. Yeah. That's the kind of story I want to tell. I get in a social situation, which happens so damn rarely. It's sick. I want to tell that story. Two occasions right after that, I was in a social situation. I start trying to tell the story, and somebody trumps me. I have a car crashing into a house story, and somebody (laughs) trumps me. What, What can trump that? first one was a guy that tried to show his son something on his iPhone And that's the point where he noticed the pictures on his iPhone were the pictures of uh, someone's girlfriend that had just been sent to him, sans clothing, and his embarrassment at nearly showing his son a naked chick on his iPhone in a public place, which really, frankly, shouldn't have trumped my story, but he was all hyped up about it. I don't think
3: that trumps the story. Uh, The second one, though, I'll try again. Who would send pictures of their girlfriend to their friend? Well... He, that's
0: kind of why he wasn't really prepared for it. You know, it <laughs> was like, ah, what the, you know, well, what did so, he keep them for? They're, they do put a fucking delete button on that shit. It, you know what? It was all quite innocent on his part. And he did immediately go and delete them. And it kind of fucked him up. So. All right, well,
3: don't be sending me any naked pictures of your wife. Okay. No, I'm sending you pictures <laughs> of my girlfriend. Oh, okay. Thank God. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so you know surprise there's nakedness on your cell phone and, and double surprise that you're you're trying to show your cell phone to your kid's story. That's that's how it trumped it. Second time I go to tell the story, the person has to tell me that they've had kind of a rough day because they just found out that their cousin's been shot three times. Holy shit. You can't you can't go, hey, speaking to police, you know, there's really nowhere to, to put the car in the house story after that.
3: Will you segue? Hey, did the guy who shot him happen to have a recent uh car accident?
0: <laughs> did it put a big hole like a car size hole? No. All you can do is just kind of feel bad for him.
3: Yeah, that's that's messed up. I'm sorry. Yeah.
0: Man. So so glad I finally got to tell that story tonight. And no one like was in the process of inadvertently showing porn to their kid or having relatives get shot. By the way, the relatives are apparently in stable condition and going to uh should recover. Oh, but Jesus. Jesus Christ. Glad to hear it. So, do you have a political rant this week? You know, I do. I'm glad you brought up the daylight savings time thing. Because people like you, you don't understand daylight savings time is there for a reason.
3: People like me, motherfucker, yeah. I used to move hand lines every morning at 6 a.m., I know far more about daylight savings time than you do. Then I think you would respect it a little bit more. Well, I don't, because we no like, longer live in that
0: society. But no, see, like like oil, like clean water, our planet is running out of resources. And daylight savings time is there; they was put in place to conserve two of the most important resources that we have. That we give very little thought to. We would be lost without things. I'm talking about sunlight, and I'm talking about time. You ever notice that time seems to be moving faster as you get older? That's because we're running out of it. There's less time to go around. We are using time far more rapidly than we can replenish it. And it doesn't just affect us emotionally, but economically, too. I think about it. Think of all the things that you pay to do by the hour. Like parking, fucking. As time gets shorter, that money you're spending is actually worth less. You're getting less bang for your buck. Literally, and, in some cases. Yeah. But don't even get me started about the sunlight we're losing. Remember when you were a kid and you play outside for hours and hours? Uh, Nowadays, my kids are outside maybe 15, 20 minutes before they're back in the house playing video games. There's just not (laughs) enough sunlight. I'm sure that's what it is.
3: I'm sure that is.
0: Uh, Of all the states, there's only only a couple. Uh, Arizona doesn't participate in daylight savings time. And think about it. That's because they have so much fucking sun in Arizona. They don't give a shit. And spending time in Arizona sucks anyway, so, (laughs) you know, the more they can speed up their miserable sunbaked existence, the better. It's just just a selfish, selfish attitude, and I I wish that Arizona and Americans like you, Steve, would respect daylight savings time. It's that kind of, I don't give a shit, attitude towards the way we're wrecking this planet. Just like that milfy simpleton in Alaska, who acts like global warming isn't anything to worry about. She leaves in a freaking deep freeze, mentally and physically, so it's no wonder she doesn't care if the earth heats up. But please, America, Steve, this is a plea to you respect daylight savings time. Do your part. Don't be like Arizona.
3: That is my political rant. I don't know if that was a political rant or if you segued into a just ass gourd there for a minute.
2: I don't know what i was talking about. <laughs>
0: All right. All right. Saving time doesn't make a lick of sense to me. For the love of God, why do we even have this shit? Don't talk to me about well, does it, agri- Doesn't control. Nova
3: Scotia only, like, go back a half hour or something? Yeah, there's some places that They've just got, like, really- some fucked up deal back there every year on New Year's where you're like, a, it, it's what
0: time? <laughs> and isn't it, like, half of Indiana
3: does it and the other half doesn't or something? Yeah, I don't just, know. Yeah.
0: yeah. I don't know.
3: All right, our second featured tune of the evening from San Kazagascar. This is from the, your first album Greetings from Beautiful San Kazagascar, Mosquitoes and Gnats.
2: Yeah.
8: Hi, this is Brian Michael Bendis, and you are listening to The Bone Bat Show.
3: All right, once again, Mosquitoes and Nats by San Kazagascar. Where can you find that again, Gord? You can find that at LatherRecords.com.
0: That's Lather Records with two R's smack in the middle of it. Very cool. All
3: right, so uh, day two of the Emerald City Comic Con. Uh, Some cool stuff that we checked out. Uh, The band Kirby Crackle played a set, a Seattle band. That uh, does. It's kind of a nerd rock band that does songs all about comic books and zombies and all kinds of great stuff. Thad and I went and uh, checked that out, and it was pretty funny. They were playing with uh, Joe Quesada, who was the head of Marvel Comics, it joined them on stage. I guess he's a musician as well, and so and they had a pretty cool set of songs. They were playing like songs about Wolverine and different stuff. And there was a <laughs> there was a guy uh, dressed as Deadpool standing right in the middle of the dance floor. Yeah, And so at one point, Joe Quesada yells out, Deadpool, I want to see you dancing. And so it was kind of surreal. Deadpool starts boogieing, and and Thad was just on the floor laughing. He thought it was (laughs) so damn funny. Uh, What else? We also saw Will Wheaton play rock band. And uh, actually, (laughs) yeah, you you could go and sign up to be in a band with him in a set of four. And so he... The first song, he was playing drums, and, you know, the, the, they would all do it together. And then uh, the, he also played with, like, some comic f- book folks. So Bendis, uh, Ed Brubaker, and Matt Fraction joined him on stage for a, a set of songs. So that was pretty cool. And so he, it was a, it was kind of a fun thing. We didn't t- stay too long for that just to get the vibe of it. But, uh, you know, that, that was kind of fun. It, kind of how I treated day two. The first day I went to the panels and sat and watched everything, and then day two, I kind of just experienced it as at my son's speed. Yeah, you know, whenever he wanted to go, we just go, and we do what he wanted to do because I wanted to ex- sort of experience it through his eyes, and that was kind of fun. You know, we'll, we'll get to our, our next block of interviews here, but I want to just talk about uh, three things that I kind of discovered of the show for that I wasn't familiar with. Uh, Smash Comic. We're going to be doing an interview with them. They're a web comic that is being produced in uh, basically seasons online at smashcomic.com. It's got a really cool style, and it's about a little kid who inherits the powers of his favorite superhero. But in doing so, he inherits that superhero's villains as well.
0: Ah, that is cool.
3: So it's a neat concept. I really like uh, Kyle Bolton's art. He does a great job. And uh, Kyle and Chris Bolton, uh, what I've read so far, I've really enjoyed. So check them out uh, at smashcomic.com also uh our friend seattle geekly had pointed me to a a comic called two percent solution have you heard of this one no it's by otis singletary and nate murphy another seattle-based comic and it's it's kind of a really cool punky sort of uh post-apocalyptic story that has a completely unique vibe to it and uh they were kind enough to pass on the first issue and i really enjoyed it so it's it's definitely i'm going to be digging up future issues and uh I I thought that was a cool thing. And the the final person I got to meet is a guy named Dusty Peterson, who's a really cool artist who's been doing death metal album covers for bands like Bloodbath from Sweden. And I totally had a recorder fail and I lost the interview I did with him. So we're going to invite him back on again in an episode or two to, to, you know, make sure that we do due diligence by him because I feel really bad. Super nice guy and a really cool artist. And so I want to feature his stuff, but I I don't know what happened. I was listening through the interviews and it was just missing. So, Dusty, sorry about that. We will be getting back to you shortly. All right. So uh, let's uh, move on to our next block of interviews. This is uh, Mike Avon Oming. From Powers and Hammer of the Gods, a bunch of cool stuff. I really dig this guy's art. A Smash Comic and Greg Rucka. Check it out. All right. Uh, this is Steve, and I'm here at Emerald City Comic Con chilling with Mike Avon Aiming. How you doing, man?
9: Very good. It's Mike Avon Oming. Oh, Mike. shit.
3: I'm sorry. Oming, man. I, I guess I should have asked ahead of time.
9: No, that's good. That's actually uh, why I started using my middle name, Avon, as my signature, Because Oming was too enigmatic for people to remember early on and stuff, so that's why I signed my work Avon, (laughs) which is my middle name that I hid for years. And so I found that was actually quite useful. So.
3: Very cool. So you, I've been following your stuff for quite a while. I'm a big fan of your series Powers that you do with uh, Brian Bendis. And also uh, Hammer of the Gods, which is a, kind of a... I read the first volume and it kind of disappeared for a while. And then now there's an online second volume of it.
9: Yeah, thanks a lot. Um, Hammer of the Gods was one of the first things I did right after uh, Powers. It's kind of dealing with that same new art direction I had found. And um, we were looking to do more of Hammer of the Gods, but uh, I don't have so much time in the day, so kind of had a struggle between concentrating on Hammer of the Gods and Powers, and Powers kind of won out. Uh, <laughs> but we still love Hammer and want to do more. We have IDW is now publishing it, and we're going to have a second volume that includes unpublished material as well. Oh,
3: very cool. And that'll be published by who?
9: Uh, IDW.
3: Oh, awesome. Hammer of the Gods is the story of Modi, who is a... As a young boy, is both blessed and cursed with incredible strength, but he can never use a weapon. Yes. And it's, he gets in a situation where he feels the need to take out a ven- his vengeance against the gods.
9: Yeah. Um, in short, basically, uh, Loki was looking for a way to take down Thor by taking away the power of his hammer, and he figured out a way to steal the life from the hammer and hide it within uh, a human child. Um, and in doing so, the human child was told, if you ever touch a, a weapon, then, uh, you will, then you'll die, basically. You know, so it's like a Viking who can no longer use a, a weapon to not really be a hero. So I thought this would be a good way to hide it. Um, and of course, you know, the hammer always comes back to Thor. So it's really his big, large journey about Modi getting his way back to Thor through what starts out as vengeance and becomes redemption.
3: And it's, it's kind of a, a great Thor story, and then on top of that, your art, which is very kind of simple lines, very strong lines. I've always really dug the stuff that you do.
9: Thanks a lot. Um, a lot of the power comes from using a brush. Um, very influenced by Bruce Sims' works, and Alex Toth, and uh, John Buscema, and they all have the ability to say a lot with very little lines when they want to, and the brush can just bring out a lot of texture and a lot of power, and it says a lot more than, uh, than a pen line does, so I think that helps.
3: Very cool. So Powers, uh, right now, you guys have just re- kind of relaunched it again in the second volume, correct?
9: Yes, yes. We've this is the third volume. We took a little bit of break between the second one and this one, where I moved from one side of the country to the other and just kind of restarted everything. And now Powers launch has been pretty awesome. Each issue has been almost double sized issues so far. So even though there's three single issues out, it's like having six issues already. Um first arc is already drawn, and um, we're we're talking to to, uh, to FX about a television series and hopefully that'll go through.
3: Oh, that would be so cool. So powers the story of uh, Dina Pilgrim and Christian Walker, two detectives who essentially in, do investigations on superhero crime, correct?
9: Superhero murders, basically, any sort of power related murder, it's their job to to look into. Kind of like vice is very specific about doing vice crimes. And, Um, They're very specific about doing powers-related crime.
3: So it has kind of that procedural feel, but at the same time it crosses over with all kinds of superheroes and uh, a really wide cast list of superheroes.
9: Yeah, Originally it was definitely a crime procedural kind of story, like a homicide or something. But we decided as time went by, well, you know, this is a really large universe, we can do whatever we want, and there's no reason to lock ourselves down to certain rules. So we have expanded it to do... Um, the other side of the superhero stuff, but always from just a different, a different point of view, a nice skewed point of view.
3: Very cool. So, any word on uh, volume thirteen of this? Uh, you know, of this the graphic novels.
9: Um, yeah, it should be that. That will be the current storyline. So, thir- the the uh, volume thirteen will come out shortly after issue five of this current story doc- story arc.
3: Very cool. I can't wait to read it. So. Uh, Something that we always do here on the Bone Bat Show. Uh, what pisses you off, man?
9: <laughs> um, oh, my God. There's so much. Unwa- like Wasted talent is the thing that probably angers me the most. I really hate to see guys who are just ten times more talent to me but don't use it or apply it in a way that's really useful. Um, and moving out to the Northwest, the other thing that actually really angers me is panhandling.
3: <laughs> there's a, the, yeah, there's a little yeah. bit of that around.
9: And I'm from the East Coast where homeless people are homeless. They lay in their own pee and feces, <laughs> Um, They they look like they fell out of a movie. And and Panhandlers here, like, they're 20-something-year-old hipsters that are ready to fight me because I'm not acknowledging them to give them a dollar. You know. (laughs) Screw you guys, man. (laughs) If you need help, you go to a homeless shelter. I I grew up crap poor, and I had to do a lot of that stuff. There's, there's, There's help out there. Don't give anybody money. You're just enabling them. <laughs> All right, man. Culture well, pisses me off. Look at me started, man. <laughs> what else you got? Go, go. Most of that. That's it. All right.
3: Well, thanks a lot. I really appreciate your time, Mike.
9: Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Have a good one. All righty. All
3: right. This is Steve at Emerald City Comic Con 2010, and I am here with Chris and Kyle from SmashComics.com. How you doing, man?
8: Good. It's actually Smash Comic, ah, Docs. So sorry about
3: that. You know, I've been doing that this whole show and mispronouncing people's <laughs> names. I'm a wreck. I don't know what the deal is.
8: That's fine. We had a, a big debate when we were setting up the website, like whether it should be plural or singular. And I, I stood firm with the singular. And uh, they were kind of like, no, it should have an S at the end. I was like, no, 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 no. that's going to confuse people. So. Well,
3: you're just only going to do the <laughs> one comic, right?
8: Right, exactly. It's <laughs> just the one guy. It's just Smash. It's not like multiple things.
3: Very cool. So tell me about the comic.
8: Uh, It's the story of a ten-year-old superhero. He inherits his idol's powers. He's kind of the Superman of that world, and he becomes Smash. And he inherits his villains at the same time, so he's kind (laughs) of very cool. He's got some catching up to do.
3: Absolutely. So, uh, tell me about like how many issues you have out. What's the series so far?
8: We're doing it in seasons uh, with ten to twelve-page episodes, and we've got the first season is finished, and that's uh, twelve episodes. So it's about 140 pages.
3: Very cool. I I dig the art style. It's very kinetic. Who are your influences, Kyle?
8: Actually, one of my influences is actually all the way down there, Michael Golden. I grew up with his work. Gosh, uh Got a lot of influence from, like, Norman Rockwell, J.C. Lennedecker. Um,
3: so more kind of fine art than maybe yeah. than necessarily comicers?
8: Yeah, I mean, comics were always there, but, like, for illustration, it was always kind of fine artists and uh, um, stylized, uh, surreal style. So, yeah, I kind of just, yeah, comics were always there, though, you know, and I just applied the art style later on to comics. So, Yeah cartoons help, too.
3: Very cool. So, uh, one question we always ask on the Bone Bat Show, what pisses you off?
8: Oh, man. Suddenly, my brain just got blocked. I got There's it. so much going on. Traffic. That's,
3: that's it. <laughs> You're from Seattle, yeah. I'm from Seattle.
8: <laughs> Traffic is the one thing. That's it for me. I get that a lot. <laughs> really loud public cell phone conversations.
3: Oh, what absolutely. Isn't that annoying? Uh,
8: I hate that. I hate you know, if I can hear everything on their end of the conversation, it's really, that's too much. That's too loud.
3: Oh, and it's the, the kind of unconsciousness of It's like, you know, on the weird occasion where I have my cell and I'm like at the grocery store. Right. I'm super conscious, so I got to get off here because oh, yeah. I look like an idiot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, some people oh.
8: are <laughs> Yeah, I'm always kind of half whispering and like, I'm in public. I'll have to call you back. And then the people who are having like like broadcasting their conversations. I'm just like, this must be for everybody to hear. Like this is sometimes if I'm feeling if I've had a couple of drinks of me, I like to respond as though they're talking to me. Like if they're standing next to me, like as though they're asking me questions and just sort of aggravate them as much as they're <laughs> aggravating me. Luckily, I don't get that that uh, courageous very often
3: very cool well thank you Chris and thanks Kyle for talking to us and uh, good luck with the comic
8: thanks it's our pleasure
3: again smashcomic.com check it out folks This is Steve from the Bone Bat Show, and I'm here at Emerald City Comic Con 2010 with Greg Rucka. Hello. How are you doing, man? I'm
7: doing okay. It's uh, Sunday at the show. We, we all lost an hour this morning, and uh, I've had enough caffeine to compensate for it, so I'm doing okay.
3: That's awesome. So, uh, I'm a big fan of your work. I know that you're, you're, you kind of have a rare... Uh, instance of a guy who is a successful novelist as well as a super successful comic book writer at the same time and uh, it's kind of neat to see how you do that. Uh, Does that really stretch different muscles
7: for you? Yeah it does it it stretches very different muscles frankly. It's it's, it's very different kinds of writing. I mean structurally on a structural story level there is a consistency in Mm -hmm. how you build the story but how you execute it and how you convey it is entirely different you know um as you, as you may have determined, I can't draw. So <laughs> any comic work I do is by definition entirely collaborative and is only going to be as strong as that collaboration. And, you know, ultimately a novel, even even on an editorial level, mm-hmm. ultimately a novel is, is, is the product of a single, is a product of the authorial voice.
4: Right, exactly. So
7: if I write it alone, if I write it with a friend, whatever, it's still our thing. And there isn't really a question of, well, will the story be interpreted? Mm -hmm. The benefit of that is it's going to live or die on my own strength. The benefit of comics is that only in collaboration can you create something that's going to be greater than the sum of its parts. So, yeah, it is. It's two different... They don't compare. It's apples and oranges
3: you've done a lot of big series you've worked on Wonder Woman yeah. you've worked on uh, 52 which yep. is a fantastic crossover yeah. series uh, The Question uh, currently you're doing Batwoman and Detective yeah. but uh, some of my favorite stuff is actually your, uh, your owner created stuff Queen and Country mm-hmm. and the new Stump Town, which is fantastic yeah. I'd like to talk about Queen and Country a little bit this is your British Espionage series that yep. you did from kind of 2002 to really to the present in
2: yeah,
7: some form uh, yeah, yeah, off and on and, and we've actually done a couple novels too and the new novel I'm doing galley proofs right now it's supposed to drop October 26th it's called The Last Run and it is a Queen and Country novel it's actually the bridging novel it's going to bridge series one with a potential series two that may start in 2011. It changes the status quo in the series. So.
3: Oh, fantastic. The, uh, I can't uh, wait. The,
7: uh, Tara goes to Iran. It's not, <laughs> it's not pretty. <laughs> well,
3: one, of the, one of the things that I've enjoyed about uh, Queen and Country was the fact that you, when you come into it, you did such a great job in storytelling that you, you're introduced to a, a, an era of... Uh, unfamiliar acronyms and minders and routines, but immediately you kind of get it. And there's a a certain spy shorthand that maybe we've picked up from the, you know, James Bond movies and things like that. But then you manage to turn that on its ear in a way with, with the reality of the characterization that you do so very well.
7: I tried really hard. I mean, I think that I was talking to somebody else about this this morning, but I think the strength of writing for me is You have to be emotionally honest, regardless of whatever the situation is. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, as an audience, we're very savvy to dishonesty in that sense. People react in certain ways. We know what the emotional truth is of certain situations. And if you don't reflect that, you're going to lose your reader. And it may be, you know, not to get too highfalutin, but it may be the difference between pure entertainment and entertainment that is is more than that, that ideally is elevated somewhat. And and has, I guess, more of a touch of a, for lack of a better phrase, the artistic. I also don't think, you know, the reader is always the audience, be it comics, be it novels. They're smarter than most people give them credit for. You don't have to hold their hand. If you give them enough information, they'll figure out what's going on. Mm -hmm. It is not necessary to know what every acronym stands for. It is only necessary to understand the acronym in context and eventually the information will come to you. Right. And you know, and that's the other thing. People are very impatient. Um, (laughs) especially comics audiences, terribly impatient. They want their periodical, I have twenty two pages, and they want to know. Right. And let it roll, you know, if the story is gonna be a six issue story, you can't judge it in twenty two pages. Right. Not for a story that's supposed to be you know, 132, babies. She can.
3: Well, that's one of the things I've really enjoyed about q and is that you will often zig when I think you're going to zag. For instance, in Dandelion, you had a, a story that kind of builds as an investigation to try to find where something is. And as it wraps up, we're expecting, as an American consumer of media, a big explosive finale, and it's kind of, you know, it's not there. Yeah, it That's there. not the story, and that was fantastic. Also, when you, when you changed over the superiors, uh, to, to kind of give a just a quick rundown yeah. of the characters, Tara Chase is minder two with the start of the series. Uh, she is one of the spies of the British SIS. Her boss is Paul Crocker, a yeah. fantastic, very deep character. And the, the interplay between Tara and Paul yeah. have, has been one of the most fantastic things about the series. Paul's boss has switched halfway through the series yeah. to a new gentleman named C. Barclay. And you expected, clearly, they have a history, they don't like each other, yeah. and you expected in the American way, you know, Crocker, yeah. <laughs> you know, the kind of ridiculousness, but it, that it was like a professional job. We've all had bosses that we didn't like, and you got And you worked it. together, and it felt real. Yeah.
7: Yeah. Well, and it's interesting, I think Private Wars, which was the second QNC novel, there's another turnover. Barkley is ousted, you know. Oh, okay. And there's a new C, and this one's even more dangerous because she does like Paul, but she's a better politician. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting. Uh, I like, you know, like I said, I, I, the nice thing about doing creator-owned series in that sense is you can change the status quo. Right. You can do it at the drop of the hat. And again, if you're honest about it, 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 it will endure. Mm-hmm. So
3: well that's I was speaking of the spy movie shorthand
7: yeah like
3: Crocker has this assistant Kate uh-huh. who at first you're thinking okay she's the money penny uh-huh. but quickly she becomes such an invaluable character okay. and I'd almost like to see Kate's stories you know what you're I mean she's first, fantastic you're not,
7: you're not the first person to mention that I've had people say uh, when are you going to do a Kate declassified
3: yeah absolutely uh, because she knows yeah. how it works
7: yeah I know and frankly Crocker would be lost without her so
3: yeah absolutely
7: yeah.
3: cool I guess uh, you said last run's coming up next, so another yep. new Queen & Country novel, and yep. then more Queen & Country next year. And, Potentially. Okay. I'm
7: still debating it. It's going to depend on what my schedule is, the work I'm doing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I don't want to uh, get into a situation like I got into with Queen & Country a couple of years ago where people were waiting and waiting and waiting for the issues to come out. Right. Um, I, I don't want to do that to the audience. I think it's a very poor way to treat your readership. Absolutely. So... I'm only going to do it if I'm sure I'm going to be able to deliver.
3: Okay, cool. So tell me a little bit about Stumptown. I've read the first two. I've read the first two issues, and I love it, but I don't know what the hell's going on.
7: No, it's it's a it's P. a, a mystery. Series. yeah it's supposed to. It's a PI series. It is um, it is a take on on all those PI shows that I grew up with as a kid. Except you know, it's a modern version instead of it being late '70s, early '80s. Right. It's 2010. So the protagonist, and it's it, and it's just it's a straight PI series. It's that no gimmicks. It's not, oh yes, she can talk to dead people, <laughs> or she sees through time, or she's obsessive compulsive. It's none of that. She's a PI in the mold of you know. Thomas Magnum and Jim Rockford. The difference is she's female. Yeah. You know, her name's Dexedrine Callisto Perios. And any <laughs> parent who names their child after speed, you gotta wonder about the family. And eventually we'll be revealing
3: it. Now, did you ever run into anybody named Dexedrine at no, you know, a con no, that I, gave you the idea?
7: <laughs> no, I just, I just like the idea of doing it. I, 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 te- I work from character, I don't work from plot. So I needed to know who Dex was. And mm. as soon as I had the name, all these questions got answered, you know, how do you end up being this person? Who is this person? So Dex had been a character who had been bouncing around in my head for several years and she finally solidified to this form. That I was able to, you know, use in in, in them. So.
3: Well, you've got me hooked, man. The, the first ahead. two issues, I'm going to be in for the long haul. Excellent. And the the, the, the really realistic art that uh, Mr. That Southworth, Southworth is, is doing, doing yeah. is magnificent. And you know, it, it has the feel of Portland.
7: Yeah. Well, that's which
3: is cool. the yeah I mean, the best the best compliment I think I could
7: give it. Well, and that's one of the elements that I've always liked about detective series. And if you note, know, they are they're very regional. Rockford is a product of L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Magnum is a product of Hawaii. The location is a character. You know, and that goes back to White House. So, I like I like environment as character.
3: Yeah. Great. Well, uh, no Bone Bat Show interview would be complete without the question. What pisses you off, man?
7: What pisses me off? I get really, really angry at people not keeping their work. Uh, I don't give mine lightly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I expect others to treat... Their commitments with the same, same sincerity and, and, and weight. I think that is a social contract. It is an accord. And it pisses me off when people break it.
3: I agree, I couldn't agree more. Your well, word you is go.
7: bond, and yeah, you got to stick with it. You don't have it. your word, you don't have much.
3: Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for your time, Greg. I That's really appreciate been
7: really it. Nice talking to you, man. All right. Have a good one. Thank you.
9: This is Michael Avon Oming, and you are listening to the Bone Bat Show.
3: All right, multimedia triage. The triage. The triage. What are you into? What are you? What are you listening to, reading, enjoying this week? Well, uh, you know, since we're talking about uh, Comic Con, I just downloaded an app for the uh, iPod called Comixology, which yeah. basically lets you read comic books on your iPod or your your portable device. It's oh, pretty damn miserable cool. Is that that it's little not, tiny screen? It's not too bad. What it does is it flows panel to panel, so you don't read a page, you read a panel at a time.
0: I think I would hate that.
3: It's not too bad. I mean, here's the challenge for me with comics lately is that there's the storage issue. That I mean, I, I did get on board with Blackest Night and I bought all the issues, but I've kind of been in a trade in a graphic novel trade paper mode for a while now where I would almost have the complete volume. You know, I came, I bought the complete scud. I don't mind dropping the money for getting the complete volume at the end of the day. But I kind of want to read it when it comes out. And so to to be able to pay a little less money to get a digital version, you're supporting the artist, you get to read it, and then you can buy the full volume down the road. That kind of makes some sense to me right now. Yeah, I guess, but on that little tiny screen... The first two uh, issues that I downloaded were uh, Chew number 1 by John Layton and the uh, first volume of Astounding Wolfman by uh, Robert Kirkman. And I really thought they did a good job with the way it's formatted and it kind of flows panel to panel. It's very readable in that way. It's not as good as holding a comic in your hand, but it's certainly a passable experience. All right, well, it took me
0: eight years to get on board with an iPod, so, you know, what the hell do I know
3: <laughs> So uh, so there's that. Comixology. Kind of cool. And then, okay. Okay. So, you know, I've talked about this before. I mean, you know the kind of music I listen to from listening to the show. I listen to a lot oh. of independent music. But occasionally I dip my toe into the world of pop music. And lately my ass has kind of been getting burned consistently. Kind of, I dig Weezer. Picked up the last Weezer album. Not very good. Another band that I kind of like is Gorillaz.
0: Yeah, I like Gorillaz.
3: Now, this is going back to their their first CD when I heard Clint Eastwood, very cool song. Second CD came out, Demon Days. Really enjoyed Feel Good Inc and some of the other songs on that album. Now, kind of what has always appealed to me about Gorillaz is that they'll like find a a really good bass line and a beat that they can. It'll you know set up a nice groove that they'll work a little bit. Damon Albarn will come in. He has kind of a languid vocal style, almost kind of lazy. He lays back in the groove, and he doesn't attack things too much. And then they get a really good rapper to come in and just kind of attack the material. And yeah. that makes for a really good pop song, right? right And so, you know, Clint Eastwood, Feel Good Inc., real good examples of that. And so I've been kind of in the bag, and I dig Jamie Hewlett's art. Oh, yeah, the art is super cool, but the music
0: itself is fine, just yeah. even without the art. It's really good uh, music to listen to when I, when I want to be creative, when I when I want something to keep that part of my brain busy while I do something else.
3: Yeah. So I, I pick up Plastic Beach, the new CD, and I got to say, I, I can't remember the last CD I've been this disappointed about. Oh, really? Yeah. I Again, you know, like Fin Troll last... Episode It starts with this kind of lush orchestral intro to set the mood. And then it goes into the first song, Welcome to the World of the Plastic Beach, which is kind of a a very mellowish sort of a groove thing with a lot of different weird, odd bits coming together. Uh, There's a rap from Snoop Dogg in it, which for me does not work. Because the, the thing that always worked before is, okay, you've got Damon Albarn's lyrics are very languid and laid back. And the juxtaposition of him and a rapper that attacks it is what would make that thing work. It would be the contrast. Snoop is too laid back.
0: Yeah. I've so it just,
3: it didn't work for me. Then it goes to the next song, which is called White Flag, which kind of has this lukewarm melody. It doesn't happen. There's some rappers named Kano and Bashy. that it, It's just kind of a dumb rap. And the song more or less just sucks. And the interesting thing was, so I'm, I'm kind of reading up about the CD, and I find out that Kano and Bashy say, oh, you, you know, we had the flu that day, and the, the music was kind of out of our comfort zone, and it could have been a total disaster. Could have been. It <laughs> is a fucking disaster. So then next tune's Rhinestone Eyes, which is the first one that really has Al Barnes' vocals. And once it gets going, it's okay, but it's like it takes two minutes to get going, And then it it has kind of a a decent keyboard hook that comes in. And and so it's all right. But again, it it takes a while to come together. The first song with Snoop Dogg did the same thing. It's a three-minute song, and there's about 10 seconds at the end of the song that's cool. Oh, that's too bad. And and this just happens song after song. Super Fast Jellyfish, which is one of the singles off the album. So they have De La Soul, who did the, the rapping on Feel Good, Inc., which is really cool. And they come in, and it's basically kind of a, you know, I enjoyed it, what he's doing when MF Doom did it on his Food CD, like, in 2004. did it basically the song is a ripoff of MF Doom, who Albarn had on the last CD, so why not just have him back? I don't know. It's fucked up. Again, halfway through the end of the song, it has a cool keyboard cut, which actually reminds me almost exactly of Song for the Man off of Beastie Boys' Hello Nasty. So it's just like the, the stuff that's good feels ripped off. I mean, ripping off MF Doom and Beastie Boys in the same song? What the fuck? And so it just it kind of continues this way, you know, song after song. Glitter Freeze is pretty cool. Uh, it just has it has got some cool keyboard lines and is pretty interesting. The title's cut. Plastic Beach has a couple of the guys from The Clash in it. And that's kind of cool. But the rest of it is pretty mediocre. Uh, there's a song called Some Kind of Nature that has Blue, Lou Reed on it. And it blows. You know what? If you want good Lou Reed, find a CD called New York. It's cost two bucks. I'm sure you can get it used now for dirt cheap, and it's fucking great. I used to listen to that while I was playing Nintendo, and it's a really cool CD. <laughs> and you know, I, like I said, I was reading up about it, and Albarn was quoted as saying that it was a comment on consumer culture and the waste we leave behind. But did you have to make that comment by creating actual trash? I don't know. I'm bummed. And, you know, it makes me wonder, because Weezer sucked, did this suck? You know, when Hot Sauce Committee comes out by the Beastie Boys, is that going to suck, too? Should I just you avoid might. pop music altogether? What the fuck? You might have to. Totally disappointed, dude. So and, oh, and then the, the, the last single that's coming out is called On Melancholy Hill. And it's one of these sing-songy nursery rhyme pop things that the British love to do that mm, just absolutely that. leave me cold. So it's like, you know, the, the three singles, Stylo isn't that great. The three singles off the CD aren't that good. And that was the one thing you could always count on with them, was I could put Feel Good Ink on repeat and listen to that ten times in a row. Same with Clean Eastwood. I can't do that with anything on this CD. So i got to say, give it a pass, folks. Wow.
0: This this disc really bothered you.
3: It really did. Man.
0: Sorry you had to go I mean, and
3: I didn't even get to the DVD yet. You know, I, I've been so <laughs> bummed by the music that I haven't even watched it. Wow. And, you know, I'm reading up about, you know, stuff like, oh, yeah, the one guy was sick, and Jamie Hewlett's tired of drawing those characters. It just, it almost feels like a project that's lost his creative wind.
0: Speaking of lost his creative wind, are you, are you done with the uh, well review? done. Okay, so, uh, yeah, what am I into this week? I'm actually reading Catcher in the Rye, because we didn't read it in high school.
3: <laughs> so, Gordon and I, how our school worked was you either read Catcher in the Rye or To Kill a Mockingbird. And so we were the year that read To Kill a Mockingbird.
0: Yeah, which was a good story. I'm glad we read To Kill
3: a Mockingbird. Yeah, out of the two, because having gone back a couple of years ago and read Catcher in the Rye, I think I know know where you're going with this. like
0: every other person I know. I think I am. I'm only halfway through the book. I think I am the only person in the world that likes this book. I am really liking Catcher in the Rye.
3: I might have liked it as a high schooler. I don't identify with the kid anymore. Oh, the, you know what? I don't time... identify
0: with him at all. I don't think I would have in right. high school either, yeah. but you know what? I, I, well, I would have project had some... on that is this is the kid that I worry about my kids turning into.
2: Right. He's but I mean, totally,
0: I... he's just totally detached. He's just lost. He's trying so hard on the inside to categorize and make sense of his world. But on the outside, he's just really not trying. He's not, he's, he's just a fuck up and I don't know. I'm, I'm really liking that. What else am I into? Finally watched The Hurt Locker. Good oh, yeah, movie. What you think? But not, I don't know. I guess I was expecting more. Maybe I was experiencing a little uh, a little Iraq burnout after watching the whole series of uh, Generation Kill. But I thought it was good, but I don't think it was great. That's how I
3: felt about Up in the Air. We just watched that. Oh, I really, see, I didn't, I don't
0: know. I really liked Up in the
3: Air. I thought it was okay, but at the end I kind of felt ultimately unfulfilled like what was the message of that
0: oh see i thought the end was great because i thought it was going to be the cliche ending
2: so, it turned so you out...
3: like that That it wasn't the cliche
0: ending? wasn't the cliche yeah it was not a feel-good movie that's for sure no no and you wasn't. know the other thing i've been checking out have you watched this yet underbelly no not at all what is that channel 101 it's a uh, australian gangster series hmm. and uh, it's allegedly set up Based on true events and Australian uh, organized crime, so it's it's set like in the 70s. So everyone's got the 70s hair and the 70s cars, and everyone's Australian. You know, no actors you recognize. And man, it's it, people get shot. There's there's blood. There's naked boobies. There's action. It's a cool thing. I say watch it, Underbelly. Check it out. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I haven't even heard of
3: that. I will definitely check it out. And that that's it, man. That's what I'm into right now. Excellent. Well, why don't we uh, tell a few filthy jokes and wrap this bad boy up? I would be happy to tell a few filthy jokes, or at least one. All right. So this guy has a stuttering problem, and he goes to the doctor. I'm noticing a theme with my jokes lately. I keep going to the doctor. Uh, <laughs> guy, stuttering problem goes to his doctor and says, "Excuse me, doc, but I have this stuttering problem, and I was wondering if you c- could help m- m- me." Well, take off your clothes and get in this gown, and let me check you over. So the guy gets in the gown and the doctor begins his examination. And then finally he says, I see immediately what the problem is. Your penis is so large that it's pulling down on your abdominal muscles, which is in turn causing a strain on your vocal cord. Can you help me? Uh, Sure I can, but I'm going to need to cut off about eight inches. Go ahead, doc. I can't take this anymore. Do it. So six months later, the guy goes back to the doctor and he says, well, doc, I gotta say, the operation was a great success, but my sex life just sucks ever since. And so I'd like to have the operation reversed. Can you please put back what you took off? And the doctor replies, Fuck off!
0: Because <laughs> he's got his penis so Yeah, long. get that? See what I did there? I, I get Yeah, that. that's funny. All did. right, so John O'Reilly hoisted his beer and he said, Here's to spending the rest of me life between the legs of me wife. And that won him the top prize at the pub for the best toast that night. He went home and he told his wife, Mary, I won the prize for the best toast of the night. And she said, ah, did you now? What was your toast? So he goes, uh, uh, it was, uh, uh, here's to spending the rest of me life sitting in church beside me wife. And she says, oh, that's very nice indeed, John. So the next day, Mary ran into one of John's drinking buddies on a street corner and the man chuckled leeringly and said John won the prize the other night at the pub with a toast about you Mary she said "Aye." he told me and I was a bit surprised myself you know he's only been there twice in the last four years once he fell asleep and the other time I had to pull him by the ears
3: to make him come (laughs) that's very good hey thanks did you get an Irish joke book recently you know, the
0: only funny jokes I could find recently were Irish
3: <laughs> jokes, and I think it's because it's, you know, the St. Patrick's Day. thing. But... Two, yeah, two weeks in a row you have Irish jokes, and I have doctor jokes. That's yeah, name. what are the odds? I don't know. That's kind of weird. All right, so uh, I'd like to say thank you this week to a lot of folks. Uh, Tim Seeley, Mike Hampton, Richard Starkings, Jeff Johns, Brian Michael Bendis, Michael Avon Oming, Chris and Kyle Bolton from Smash Comic, Greg Rucca. Who else? Uh, Otis Singeterian. San and Nate Murphy. Uh, Dusty Peterson. Sorry once again. And finally, San Kaz and Paul Takushi. Thank you much, guys, for letting us feature your music. Indeed. Thanks. All right. Our usual bullshit. The show phone number is 206-203-3115. Or you can email me at steve at bonehand.com. I've got new content on bonehand.com every Sunday.
0: And I've got a new cartoon at mightywombat.com every week and you can find my column at davislifemagazine.com once a month just like a
3: period you can follow (laughs) me I am BoneHand on Twitter oh yeah and you can follow me if you
0: give a shit Uh, I am Mighty underscore Wombat
3: you can join the BoneBat forums Uh, go to BoneHand.com to find a link for that also if you like what we do we do appreciate reviews on iTunes votes on Podcast Alley or even better tell a friend please and don't forget The Bone Bat Film Festival, September 2nd, 2010, at 6 p.m. at the big picture in Redmond. Tickets on sale now. Go to buy buy them. them. Go buy them. Go to bonehand.com for details. And thank you for listening. All right, we're gonna close out with once again Woolly Mammoth in the Room by San Kazagascar. This is Steve. And this is Gord. Have a good one. motherfucker